Part One of The Face Beyond the Door from Visions by Colson Kernahan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by David Leeson. The Face Beyond the Door. A man who was lonely of soul sought the solitude of his chamber on Christmas night. To the young, Christmas is a season of gladness, but the man was no longer young and though, rather than mar the gladness of others, he had put aside his sorrow, and taken part with smiling face in the day's rejoicing, yet now that the little ones lay snugly abed, each tiny fist fast closed upon that talisman of happy dreams, a treasured toy, now that the lights were lowered and the last guest gone, the smile dropped a discarded mask from his face, as he seated himself, with unseeing eyes, by the ashes of a dead fire. He remembered that earlier in the evening the fire had shone out upon him, like the welcome upon a loved face, that all the warmth and light and coziness had seemed centered and reflected there as in a mirror. And he had marveled to think that what at one moment had been dry tender and dead clod should spire at a touch into live spirits of leaping flame, like the dust upon which God breathed when he said, Let there be life but now the dead fire seemed to gather to itself all the menace of the night, all the gloom and iciness that shuddered in each corner of the chamber. The heart of it that had once burned red now seemed to freeze black, like an imagined moon, unwarmed and unlighted by any sun. The stealthy cracking of the cinders, as they contracted, chilled him as the ominous cracking of ice chills the heart of the skater. Yet the man sat on, his hands splayed open, palms outward, brooding over the spot where once had been the blaze, even as the sick in soul brood over a vanished sorrow. And as he sat, it seemed to him that an angel stood beside him, so that the haggard room was filled with warmth and color and light. And the angel said, the Christ is heavy of heart because of you, the Christ whom on this his day of days you have utterly forgotten, has this day borne you in especial remembrance. He has seen that, full as is your life, yet one thing there is for lack of which you let what remains of your youth consume away as by a wasting fire, one thing the absence of which turns all your sunshine to shadow wherefore that the cause of your sorrow may evermore be removed this is his christmas gift to you that whatever you shall this day wish shall this day be granted and looking at him wearily the man made answer how know i that your master be not the same satan who ere this to achieve infernal purpose has assumed angelic guise you come to me saying the kingdoms of this world and the glory thereof are yours for the asking speak your wish and it shall be granted but even so of old have others been tempted of satan what sign then have you whereby to satisfy me that your errand is not of hell but of heaven and the angel said a baby boy lay once upon his mother's knee his parents were poor and the child's birth-chamber was humble and rude a mere shed to shelter them from wind and rain and very dark 
the child's earliest memory was the starry shining of his mother's eyes there was a time when all his world was heavened under the fair firmament of her face its stooped oval was scarcely less steadfast in his little heaven than the sun is daily steadfast in your sky and even when he let his eyes stray from her eyes and wander away from the pure arch of her brows into what to his baby eyes seemed infinite space there were always her eyes to which to come back when the little wanderer felt cold and lonely and forlorn but one day the child awoke from sleep to find the heaven of his mother's face had gone with a cry of fear he raised his head to look for her instinctively his baby eyes were drawn to a something which glimmered white and square in the darkness the one rude window that lighted the place it was but a rectangular hole cut in the side of the shed open to the outer air and unprotected save for the fact that two iron bars one stretching from top to bottom the other from side to side had been set therein to close the way against the entrance of prowling thief or wild creature of the plain did that little child looking now for the first time at the cross thus outlined against the twilight sky did that little child dream of the close of an awful day to come when three stark and cross-hung figures should be seen against the darkening skies of a world that had crucified its god for that little child was the christ and the sign for which you ask whereby to prove that i come to you in his name is the sign of the cross which i now make between you and me is it enough the angel paused but with unseeing eyes astare the man sat unmoved and answered him never a word again the angel spoke haply you are still unsatisfied and seek less simple a sign is there not in that very simplicity that elemental simplicity something of deliberate and divine intention the soldier may perish in the desert where is never a stone to mark his grave but his comrades lash one twig upon another and over the desolate resting-place of him whom christ died to save is set the symbol of eternal life once the badge of infamy to-day it stands for all that is highest in humanity divinest in god for in naught else is god so divine as in the humility that stooped to take upon himself man's mantle of flesh man's sorrows and man's doom the angel paused and waking as it were from a dream the man answered him sadly if any sign i seek it is a sign whereby to assure myself that you are not an imagined creature begotten and born in my own sick brain for this night as i sat here i held commune with myself and to myself i said were an angel from god were god himself to appear before me bidding me wish the wish of my heart and it should be granted i should ask not riches nor fortune nor fame nor the applause of men nor the love of women but only the assurance of eternal life two then said the angel in all ages of the world there have been men and women among them many of earth's noblest who are skeptics by nature who seem constitutionally incapable of accepting aught which cannot be proved upon such as they god forbid that you or i should sit in judgment 
what they believe or do not believe must rest between themselves and god but when a man who has once been of the company of the faithful and has in very truth entered into the inner mysteries which are revealed only to the eye of faith falls from faith as you have fallen then indeed is christ wounded in the house of his friends then indeed are we in the presence of tragedy dire and terrible that such an one could come to believe that god can forget that the men and women whose trust in god has been complete and unwavering who year in year out have lived as ever in god's sight shall at the last be allowed to drop into dead nothingness forgotten and forsaken of the god whom they trusted is to come face to face with tragedy soul-slaying tragedy compared to which the tragedy that is concerned with the slaying of the body is scarce worthy a thought for a time there was silence then again the angel spoke there was once a man who was a dreamer he was a child of eternity dreaming the dream of time and even while he dreamt he was half awake and knew that he was but dreaming to others a thought might be the very byword for all that is intangible and unreal to him what they counted realities were the only unrealities things and persons had no existence except in his thoughts of them and had he opened his eyes one morning to find that this world and the things and persons of this world were gone for ever he would but have sighed and said at last then the awakening for which i have waited has come and now i am asleep no longer not that he set thought above conduct he held and rightly that he who knowing that his own life could it be seen of all would give the lie to his words is yet willing to make wares of righteousness by preaching it for pay from a pulpit or by publishing it for sale in a book is a sorrier knave than he whose business is the circulation of false coin for whereas the one tampers with a currency that has been minted by man the other debases the coinage which bears the image of god wouldst thou think truly then live truly was the axiom of his life and of those who thought truly he would fain believe that the heart of them at least was set upon righteousness three the lad held that god answers prayer he was not so superstitious as to suppose that the all-wise one will confuse the issues of a universe at a creature's bidding shall he who sails east ask the lord of the four winds to speed his voyage by favouring gales when haply one who sails to the west is praying for winds from the east the lad knew well that god would not be god did he not withhold the gift that is unwisely asked the gift that we seek in a narrow and selfish spirit the gift that can only be granted at cost of another's loss but he knew too that the child whose simple prayer is lisped what time her little head is pillowed on her mother's knee is less near to her earthly mother than the man the very thought of whose heart is a prayer is near to the father in heaven and that though god may deny the material gift for which we ask that he may give us a spiritual gift of greater excellence yet to those who unfailingly rest in him will he as unfailingly give their heart's desire the lad was a hero-worshipper so supreme an influence for good were certain books so inseparably associated were they with all that is noblest in humanity so intensely did they make for righteousness and perfection that he would not be persuaded that the writers of these books could rest content with anything which came short of such righteousness and such perfection as they pictured 
hero-worshipper though he might be however he was not so blind a worshipper as to fail to see that certain of his idols had feet of clay that this singer was known to love the gaming-table that artist the wine-cup he would not attempt to deny but his invariable answer was so much the less singer the less artist he wherein he sinned therein his art has suffered yet was there never true artist who in his heart of hearts did not realize and revere the beauty of holiness the man could not but so believe for to him all art was but a thought in the mind of god to the pseudo-artist and word-juggler who assured him that the fact of a book being good or bad in its influence or its intention has nothing to do with its value as a work of art that the book or picture must be judged by the fact whether it be well or ill written well or ill painted he would reply you may say so if you choose so to say and you may and with equal reason say that the coming and going of the sun have nothing to do with the coming and going of day and night that day is day and night night whether the sun cease to rise or continue constant in the heavens your saying so will not alter eternal principles and though one is far from desiring that art be self-consciously ethical the fact remains that the highest art is unconsciously so if only for the reason that the higher the art the nearer it approximates to a pure thought of god in the presence therefore of great pictures or in the recital of brave deeds in the hearing of high music or of a true poem at sight of the least of the flowers of the field the soul of the man knelt or stood instinctively at prayer and each morning when the white wonder of the dawn bubbling up in the east like water rising from a spring to overrun meadow and glebe and then swelling in volume like an incoming tide upon a level beach sending billows and rollers of light to wash clean the tainted atmosphere of the world till the morning air was cool and sweet and crystalline as the sands which are left by a receding tide beneath the feet each morning was to the man as newly wonderful as was the face of the risen christ to those who watched by the sepulchre each morning was a new resurrection from the dead a new and sacred promise of immortality in the drag of the day in the heaviness of late noontide when all nature is at lull when strength slips away from the body and thought stands still in the brain the angel in the man seemed sometimes to lapse back into the animal and for the moment the life of the senses enticed with invitation lovelier and more alluring than the life of the soul but each evening as he dreamed himself out into the sunset all that was noble would reawaken though since the world's beginning there have never been two sunsets alike yet in each sunset found he ever that which was anciently familiar that which set such strange stirrings in his veins as might stir in the veins of those who born of the same father and mother look each upon the other's face not knowing they are of one blood it was so that the sunset seemed to call him and it was so that the soul of him went out to claim kinship with the sunset at the little old church where he had worshipped in the morning of his days it had been the custom during prayer for the congregation reverently to kneel while some who were stricken in years as reverently stood and to him when at eventide all nature was at her orisons the petals of the flowers seemed like little hands folded in prayer while the great trees those grey beards of meadow and gardens stood like the aged worshipper 
whispers in the church in sacred and silent commune with god and indeed to the man it seemed as if not only all nature were at worship but as if the great world itself had become as it were a little child of worlds among the worlds of wise old stars for at hush of even the world itself seemed kneeling on the world's lips was silence yet to the listening man that silence was a prayer not now the morning prayer that asks material blessing but the eventide prayer of pure and adoring worship not the prayer of many words but the prayer so fervent that its words are few our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name amen these were the words into which the prayer on the world's lips seemed to frame itself and as the kneeling worshippers repeat after the minister the words with which he leads them in prayer so from the lips of the man the same words fell and in his heart was peace to him at such moments it seemed as if the lost garden of eden lay now beyond the setting sun it was the presence of god walking therein in the cool of the day to hold commune with his creatures which gave such glory and glamour to these sky gardens of the west then would the man point up to the sunset crying out dear god all that the soul of me loves all that i seem to have lost my boyhood's hopes my manhood's strivings my love dreams my little angel child they are not really lost they are there there with thee among the crimson and purple and gold the evil that which is not of god dies but all that is good lives on for evermore the angel paused then continuing he said you who make mock of the dreams of youth you to whom the comfort of the body is of more moment than the life of the soul who hold that there are no such men as we fable that it matters not whether a book or picture be good or evil so long as it be art to whom death is the end of all the christ but a man and god little more than the maker of a vast system of machinery from which having once set it a-going he turns away heedless whether the world like some huge wheel crush underneath or carry upwards with it in its revolution the pygmy creatures with whom he has peopled it answer me do you know this man of whom i have told you behold now i show you his face look well thereon and make avowal whether it be familiar or strange and with a cry the man made answer i know it tis the face of the man who once was but now is not the face of the man god meant me to be four why did you not become that man said the angel sternly ask the god who took my boyhood's faith from me cried the man passionately god knows i did not want to lose faith but can one control the thoughts that come and go in the brain once you believed in the life to come said the angel but now you believe therein no longer and for this your loss of faith you make a grievance against god a grievance even against your fellow-creatures whining to them in abject and impotent self-pity because death waits for you and you fear him and when they make not haste to cast from their own shoulders upon yours the mantle of their pity you rail against the unsympathetic selfishness of man why should your fellow-creatures bestow upon you the alms of their pity seeing that they are subject to a like fate as yours is life less sweet to them than to you or shall they suffer one pang less than you in that last awful giving up of the ghost which all mortals dread 
tis not the pity of god or of man that you need but searching and relentless self-examination faith is to the soul what health is to the body tis unnatural to disbelieve doubt is too often the first symptom of a sick soul the danger signal giving warning that all is not well with the soul just as fainting and nausea give warning that mischief is at work with the body and to the sick in soul as to the sick in body the first question of the physician must be what of your life are you living it for evil or for good the angel paused as one who awaits an answer but with sullen face and averted eyes the man sat huddling with outstretched palms over the dead fire and answer came there none save the shamed answer of his silence five do you believe in god asked the angel at last i do said the man that belief not all the discoveries of science have shaken can ever shake no one shall persuade me that this wonderful body of ours to take only one wonderful thing in all this universe of wonders organs doing our bidding unbidden and automatically whether we sleep or wake hands that open and shut without the exertion of conscious will-power as if in anticipation of our lightest wish and with finger-tips of which no two are alike in all the many million millions of human beings in the world eyes that even as they look can signal to the brain a score of colors in as many flowers that can read in others eyes the secret thought of other souls or at a glance can cross and compass the space between this world and the farthest star to say nothing of the brain which conceives the soul that cries after and is akin to god no man i say can persuade me that all this arose originally just as fire arises out of the striking together of flints from what has been termed a fortuitous concourse of atoms it seems to me that those who cease to believe that this world with its punctual alternation of day and night and unerring return of spring that rainbow of the seasons which comes after winter storm and snow to assure us of the faithfulness of god and shines across the troubled face of a rainy sky like laughter in a child's eyes while still the tears are wet upon the little cheeks it seems to me that those who can attribute all this as well as the miracle of childbirth to blind happening of chance rather than to the design of an omnipotent creator should be the last to hurl at others the reproach of superstition and credulity it is we not they who are sceptics compared with such a theory of life as theirs our reasonable belief is but to make a mouthful of a gnat while they in their credulity swallow entire camels even could they prove that this world is as they say the outcome of a concourse of atoms my faith would remain unshaken resolve me this world back into a single primordial atom resolve me a man into an ape and the ape back to an amoeba and my belief in god my wonder and worship are greater than had he seen fit to call man and ape and amoeba into being at a word men speak to-day of science being antagonistic to religion they speak as if that theory of life which they call evolution were a contradiction instead of a confirmation of belief if anything can restore my lost faith in immortality it is this same doctrine of evolution or truth of evolution as i hold it to be the very scriptures at which the unbelieving scoff trace the rise of our race upward from the dust to the human in adam and from the human to the divine in christ 
it is unscientific it is a flat contradiction of evolution to believe that out of one type shall evolve another and a higher and out of that higher type shall evolve one higher still and so on and on through countless upward stages and ages only to hold that death breaks the continuity by ending all it has been said that if man were once an ape is not that the greater reason why one day he should become an angel unbeliever in immortality as i am there are moments when old faiths revive even as to the sincerest believer there are moments when faith falters inconsistent it may be on the part both of the believer and the unbeliever but to be inconsistent is only to be human and at such moments i tell myself that if evolution be indeed the finger-post of science it is heavenward and godward that evolution's finger points science is the truth of the natural world just as religion is the science of the spiritual world the one is built up atom by atom by the brain the other already is but may be seen only by the eye of the soul the one is a lighthouse to warn the mariner off the rocks the other is the star in the sky by which he steers when our knowledge of the natural world is equal to our knowledge of the spiritual world then will science and religion shine forth in perfect and beautiful accord six the man paused with eyes aglow and looking at him curiously the angel said believe you all this and yet deny immortality listen replied the man that god concerns himself about the welfare of the world about the welfare of the race i make no doubt but that he concerns himself to consider separately the welfare of each individual member of that race i have ceased to believe god's plans for the future of this world this universe no man may know even as a teacher wipes away from a blackboard the chalked words or figures with which he has proved a proposition or worked a sum so from the face of the heavens god may see fit ere to-morrow's morn to wipe away like vain scribbling his handwriting of constellations comets moons planets nebulae and milky way the time may come i believe will come when suddenly by fire or slowly by cold he will make of this earth of ours a moon to shine coldly by night or a sun to warm by day another world than ours even should he will that the human race and this world continue the fact remains that though humanity may be and perhaps is immortal immortal the individual man is not save only so far as something of himself shall survive in the children of his body or of his brain in the children he has begotten the work he has done or in the words he has written some essence of himself shall yet be found after the body of him has ceased to quiver with ecstasy or pain the heart to beat the brain to think man is immortal till his work be done like the coral zoophyte that comes into being and lives and dies that it may contribute its tiny shell to the building of the central reef so we human beings play our infinitesimal part and having provided for the carrying on of god's scheme by obeying the instincts of reproduction that others may come after us to carry on the work which we have continued or begun then like the coral zoophytes we die and cease to be as little regarded and remembered of god as they yet man the egomaniac of created beings has presumptuously dared to claim for himself that which is the attribute only of god it is arrogance gross and colossal for me to suppose that my little ego is of sufficient importance to continue to exist after i have lived out the brief life which god has granted me here 
who am i to claim for myself an eternal place in the eternal scheme this world that scheme existed before i was and will continue to exist when i have ceased to be seven then said the angel you have called yourself inconsistent and inconsistent you assuredly are first you profess your belief that god is all-powerful and in the next breath you speak as if you set limits to god's power to create to call into existence a creature to breathe therein that very essence and spark of god at which men and angels must never cease to wonder but never can explain that something which is called life is surely more incredible more inconceivable than that a living creature having once come into being should never more cease to be in all the world in all the universe life and life only is divine all else planets and suns and stars are but dead matter and the animalcule which the microscope makes visible in a drop of water is more marvellous than they if one thing and one thing only be certain it is that only out of life does life come and all life could we trace it to its source leads back to god the science of to-day may trace life's stages from man to the ape and from the ape backwards through countless forms to the amoeba but sooner or later the science of to-day comes to a dead stop it is not what science has found out but what she has not found out that completes the chain every century sees science place the origin of life farther back before science had learnt to make use of the microscope the animalcule in the water was though man knew not of that animalcule's existence a hundred years hence man may learn to make use of some other new mechanism compared to which your microscope of to-day is but a schoolboy's toy a mechanism which may reveal forms of life so minute that in comparison with them the animalcule in the water shall seem a very monster but what the science of to-day or of a thousand eons from to-day cannot and never will be able to explain away is life we may label it by this or that name and seeing it so labelled foolish men and women may be content to call it by that name and to cease to wonder just as they cease to wonder many of them at the miracles by which a child a sparrow or a flower is born but in all the world life and life only is divine for life comes from life and all life leads back to god answer me do you doubt that the god who called life into being has it in his power if he so choose to continue to man the life which god himself has begun i do not doubt it replied the man then said the angel you doubt neither the existence nor the power of god but if there be a god as you believe surely you must admit that god to be good savages may conceive a supreme power who is evil civilized men and women never and would a good god call into being men and women and little children implanting imperishably in their hearts the belief in and the craving for immortality setting in those hearts a love towards each other which is surely immortal since it is the nature of god himself only to make mock of them at last by robbing them alike of life and love and immortality would you be content to let your little child and your tender thought for that child all the infinite father love of your heart pass out of your life for ever 
yet you stand to your child precisely as god stands to you with this difference that the sum of all the father love all the mother love of the world boundless as that love may be is not equal to the love of god for any of his creatures to compare your love to his love is to set a single sun-ray against the gleaming father-son whence all light comes to liken a drop of water to the mother of all waters the sea other loves may not be all unselfish all unsoiled of the flesh but the ecstasy with which a mother hugs and gathers her child to her heart is the one pure passion the white flame of which casts no shadow since like god's love it seeks only to give just as a gardener sets seed in the soil to lie dormant for a time and then to spring up and bloom in due season so when god made men and women he set the seed of immortality in their souls knowing that motherhood and fatherhood would call it into flower nay i go farther than this and say that were there no promise of a hereafter in the scriptures had christ never come and were there no word of immortality in all the natural and spiritual world i am persuaded that belief in immortality is a flower which would have sprung self-seeded in the garden of a mother's heart i am persuaded even that had god not planned immortality for his creatures he would not be the god he is could he look upon human life human love and most of all upon the love of father and mother for their child and refuse to grant to them and to their child the immortality for which they crave a little maid once said that she knew there was a heaven because of the presence of flowers on earth her mother she said had shown her dandelion down afloat upon the wind and had told her it was thus that the first flowers had come wind seeded from heaven twas but a pretty fable to take the fancy of a child but it is a fable which has a meaning for god's children of older growth the presence of beauty on the earth is surely a witness to the love of him who is eternal loveliness tell me that nature bestows these colors upon the flower to attract the bee that this effect comes of evolution that of natural selection and i shall not say you nay for nature does indeed seem to evolve out of herself that which she requires for her own purposes and for the maintenance of life but it was god the eternal loveliness who tinted that sunset sky who gave those changing colors to the sea who made the rainbow that flower of the sky which blooms and withers betwixt sunshine and a shower an arch of living luminous opal and pearl has art which men miscall long art which is not long but eternal no inner meaning to your eye has music no message for your ear music of which one of the great of the earth once said away away thou speakest to me of things which in all this life i have not found and in this life shall never find music which is surely angel speech heard of mortal but as yet untranslatable to mortal ear music which is none other than the sound of the deep waters of eternity breaking on the shallow shores of time eight again the angel spoke you say that you have ceased to believe in eternal life it seems to me that the falling from faith of you and such as you goes farther back and that you have ceased to believe in him who is eternal life that what is at fault is not so much your faith in immortality as your faith in god 
it is god's care for the individual of which i seek to be assured repeated the man the question whether i have failed or have not failed in faith matters nothing in comparison with the question whether god the creator has called into being a creature no matter whether that creature be man or mouse horse or bird dog or ant only to leave that creature like a fatherless motherless foundling cast out upon the street to starve or to be fed to live in comfort or to perish miserably as the cruel chance may be even earthly parents may not so repudiate their responsibilities mothers have faced death a thousand times for the sake of their child the very bird in the hedge will yield up its little life in defence of its brood yet we god's children whether of the human race or of the dumb creation come into this world only to be left to the tender mercies of the cruellest of all foster mothers dame chance last summer as i walked in my garden i heard a fledgling sparrow chirruping merrily under a bush possibly he had by accident dropped out of his nest and by making parachutes of his wings had so broken his fall as to reach ground without taking hurt and was now in a flutter between pride and fear at his own daring for a few minutes i watched him ruffling it as roguishly as a robin now cocking his glossy head at a sprawling worm now stropping his tiny beak razor-wise upon a twig and twittering lustily meanwhile for very joy of his freedom and of his merry youth and of the summer morning but alas as into the first garden there stole and slid the serpent so into our later gardens a fanged and spitting creature of like cruelty crouches and watches with belly to the ground to spring upon its prey and lest my small sparrow so merrily at matins under a bush should find some prowling cat to play at clerk by saying amen to his matins and thereafter making an end of them and of him i chased the feather surpliced chorister into a corner and in spite of the valorous onslaught of his beak set him high up upon a cedar bough whether the fact of my placing him there led him to suspect some trap or ambush from which he must make haste to escape or whether it was sheer flurry and fright which brought him to the ground i cannot say but scarcely was my back turned before again he had taken cover under the bush again i caught him setting him this time high upon an ivied window-ledge where cat could neither climb nor leap and yet again he came to ground when i had a third time set him out of reach of danger and he had a third time as resolutely come back to it i thwarted the small malcontent no longer but returning to my hammock i insinuated myself therein and with my fingers between the pages of a book lay a swing in the sunshine as in the centre of a golden globe for a time i forgot both book and bird then suddenly my golden globe shattered into darkness at a sound a mere thimbleful of sound a scream of terror and agony so tiny and yet so haunting and so horrible that i seem to hear it even now a tame rook that has the run of my garden had pinned the sparrow breast upward under his talons and as i looked was stabbing the life out of him with iron beak for the wee bird no happy warbling among the leaves no happier rearing of his young it seemed to me as if he had been robbed of his right to live and though it is but what happens somewhere every hour perhaps every minute of each summer day 
the sight of that helpless nestling done to death in the june sunshine and by one of his feathered kin turned me sick and faint with horror twas murder bloody and cruel and in thought i could not forgive the god who had made a world upon such a plan then said the angel you know no more of god's purpose than that sparrow knew of yours to the fluttering nestling well-nigh panting out his tiny life in terror you seemed some cruel monster hunting him down to kill whereas your thought was but to place him beyond reach of danger and you lost patience with the little creature that haply god had committed to your care thrice only did you succour him and then manlike left him to his fate and now would throw upon god the blame for the death which you countenanced had god dealt with you as you dealt with god's bird had god not borne with you not thrice but thrice three thousand times where had you been to-day and if god saw fit to set that little creature singing in the green groves of paradise and who dare say that god has no place in his universe for the sparrow that god himself has told us is ever more within his care if god saw fit at the cost of a moment's pain to take his bird happier than ever for the knowledge of danger for ever past where danger shall menace never more what is that to you it may be that you are right answered the man it may be that for the wings which could not carry the bird beyond reach of the danger which lurks in an earthly garden god gave that little creature wings which could bear him afar to the garden of god from a harp or violin which is out of tune comes not music but discord it may be that even as a musician screws tighter and tighter each separate string till the whole instrument be in harmony so the racking of nerves which we call pain may be no more than the touch of god's hand tuning the strings of men's souls to sweet accord that out of discord shall come harmony out of brief suffering shall come eternal bliss but listen i had a friend whom i loved more dearly than a brother the truest gentlest most stainless and unselfish of gentlemen for many years he and i and two other close friends and cronies constantly met and walked and talked or sat at table together he was a frequent visitor at my house and occasionally would accompany me to the homes of the other two members of our circle but none of us was ever asked to his naturally we made no comment upon this either to him or to each other if among friends we must remain silent about matters which are told us in confidence it is even more sternly imperative that we remain silent in regard to matters concerning which confidence is withheld one day i shall never forget it he opened his heart to us you must have wondered to yourselves he said why it was that i have never asked any of you to my home i had hoped to have gone to my grave without speaking but now my hands are forced for eighteen years my wife has been a drunkard now god help me she has gone as women who drink too often do from drink to worse if anything can be worse in a woman than the systematic bestialization of herself by drink but she has gone as i say from drink to worse and for the sake of my daughters who are just growing into womanhood i am compelled to divorce her up to now no word of this has ever passed my lips on the contrary i have lied consistently and deliberately that others might be led to believe as you have been led to believe that my home was happy and that she was the best of mothers and wives 
of that lie i am unashamed for it was not an untruth of the heart had i for any reason or for no reason to face the scaffold god knows that god helping me i would climb that scaffold with tripping step and smiling lips rather than that any emotion of mine should give zest and edge to the gossip of the canaille over their cups think then what it meant to a man of my pride to know his wife the bearer of his name the mother of his children for a shameless drunkard you have wondered sometimes that one who is still comparatively young should be thus prematurely aged you have wondered that my hair is grey and thin that my nerves are shattered my body feeble and bowed and that i speak with embittered spirit and barbed tongue had you grown to hate god's very sunlight as i have because in the sweet but searching light of the sun the secret of my shame and of her sin was more apparent than by night your wonder would cease at night the unsteady step the bottle slipped under a cloak and brought from that depot of the devil whither she had gone ostensibly to purchase groceries but in reality to take away gin these might escape a neighbor's eye with the fellow who sold it to her the secret was like to be safe scandal of another sort might be whispered across a counter or over teacups it could do no more than stab at a woman's reputation a man's honor but business secrets since they affect the takings of the till must among men of business be held sacred the firm of satan and company has its agents in high as well as in humble places and has touts of all sorts saints and shopmen statesmen and sinners at work extending its ancient trade but at few establishments is so roaring a business driven as at those ticket offices for hell where a husband's earnings are supposed to be spent in groceries but in reality are squandered in brandy whiskey or gin i had hoped as i say to have kept my hideous secret to myself but now alas secrecy is no longer possible recently i was compelled to remain the whole of the night by the bedside of a patient for whose life i was fighting hand to hand with death next morning at five as the crisis was past and the patient sleeping i crept home in the grey of the dawn that i might snatch a few hours rest before commencing the work of another day only to find that my wife had availed herself of my absence to get drunk and while in that condition had admitted into my house under the very roof where her young daughters were sleeping a villain with whom i now learn she has long been carrying on an intrigue upon the man feeble as i am i have put a mark which please god he shall carry to his dying day it is a mark seeing which all shall say that disfigurement was done to a villain and a blackguard by the man whom he had foully wronged the woman for her children's sake i spared but to small purpose she was placed under lock and key but a fox is not more cunning than a dipsomaniac under the craving for drink she contrived in some way to escape and being found drunk in the streets was taken to the station i made strenuous efforts to keep the case from coming before a magistrate and so appearing in the papers but she was equally set on courting scandal she saw in this public washing of dirty linen a means to injure perhaps to ruin me people hesitate to call in a doctor who cannot order his own house decently or who comes perhaps to a critical case with harassed mind and nerves unstrung there is no madness so cruel as the madness which is born of a woman's lust of drink 
to injure the very man whom she has most cause to love the man who is fighting for her soul with the devil and to save her from herself she is ready to involve him herself and her children in one common ruin the prostitute on the street is less shameless the suicide is less reckless than the woman who has drowned in drink the angel which god sets in the bosom of every woman men may and do soak away their manhood it is hateful it is hideous that they should do so but when the angel in a woman dies the angel's place is taken by a devil from hell the rest is soon told there was a terrible scene in court the unhappy woman shouting my name hysterically to the reporters that everybody should know as she said whose wife she was she accused me of being a man of drunken habits as well as an unfaithful husband and when the magistrate said he could not listen to her she refused to leave the court and had to be removed forcibly screaming out shamelessly as she went the story of her unfaithfulness and declaring that it was my wickedness which had driven her to it that is what drink can do to one who had once been a pure woman a good wife and a loving mother end of part one of the face beyond the door